I don't want to talk about that. I'm more more issues to be talking about than that. The time right. was still, still dark at the start, but it got brighter and brighter nearly every oh, day. Yeah, mine over six months because this is our season. I think that's a rough. Come up to the gutter to get where I am. I'm delighted to be here, but it's been earned. It's, that's it's, for a, sure. it's a great honour. It's kind of surreal, really. The whole thing has okay, been. Okay, you've won them all, and that's pretty mental. What people in social media have done is disgusting. This is Sportsbeat Extra. On this week's show, I'm speaking with the assistant coach for the Republic of Ireland women's senior football team and discussing how he moved from treble winner in the southeast to managing at international level. But first, I'm recapping on the inaugural Talton Cup and diving into Sunday's hurling showpiece as the All-Ireland final pits Kilkenny against Limerick. I'm Sean Connolly and you are very welcome to Sportsbeat Extra. Sports Beat with John Kennedy Motors, Cashel Road, Clonmel. You'll never take a wrong turn with Toyota. View our full range of cars at johnkennedymotors.ie. Up first, I'm very pleased to welcome friend of the show, Mr. Oshin Langan. Oshin and I were chatting earlier before any team news had been revealed. You're very welcome as always, sir. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Very well. Now, what better place to start than with the inaugural Talton Cup finale? Obviously, there was much made about the competition and how it deserved a place, I suppose, as a curtain raiser to the All-Ireland final. Now, you were present. What was your take on the occasion? Well, it helped that it was a really good game and two counties that have had relatively recent success but wouldn't be successful counties, if that makes sense. I mean, Cavan won the Ulster title in 2020, but they've suffered back-to-back relegation since. They've, they've struggled since. They're back up in Division 3 now, having won Division 4 this year, and now they have a national final in championship to their name. Okay, it didn't work out for them, but it was still a good run and it was something that Cavan fans could get behind. It is a big blow for them to lose because now they're not going to be in the restructured top tier next year if they don't go well in the league and don't go well in their uh, provincial championship. For Westmead, best seen since the early 2000s and that win in the Leinster Championship under at the late great Paddy O'Shea. Like, I've no doubt you saw the social media videos afterwards of the celebrations in Mullingar. And, like, during the game itself, it really did feel like a special occasion. It really did feel like a final. And when Kieran Martin went bulldozing through the cabin defence, it was just a kind of a... It was one of those moments when you're watching it live. He couldn't. He won't. Oh, wow, he just did. Um, so, uh, you know, a, a great competition. Um, it was needed. There are improvements needed. There are structural changes for next year, which I think is a good team, good thing. It's especially good for counties like Waterford and Carlo. And I, I wouldn't have said this last year, but Leash as well, who are at a low ebb and kind of need the development space. Uh, it's good for counties like that. Wexford as well, obviously. And maybe in future, Kilkenny, after their success in the Junior All-Ireland, maybe they look at the Talton Cup and say, well, OK, actually, it's it's worth making an effort for this because we'll get a couple of games. We're not going to be playing at Dublin where we'll be beaten at the gate. It, it possibly is a long way out, but at least it sets the seeds of growth in counties. And for counties like Waterford next year, knowing that they'll get a, you know their, their Talton Cup games, they'll obviously get a crack at the provincial championship and the league as normal. But that's actually a really good thing, to know you're going to be playing games at the time of year where people want to play them and to know that there's a chance of winning a few games like a, a, a county like Waterford and maybe even Wexford are perhaps a bit off winning the Talton Cup but they could go far and that, that would be a very very good thing but yeah look overall a, a, a worthy experiment if I can put it that way uh, a good competition I think we saw things from the Talton Cup and, and Sean now here's a bit where I have to declare a vested interest I was part of the team that put I'm not sure if you saw it 
AIB GA did a thing where they mic'd up players during a match and then afterwards put out packages of what it was like for those players during the match and you could hear like the players talking mm-hmm. during the game and you got a tactical I was part of the team that put that together so I want to say very clearly obviously I'm biased towards it <laughs> but stuff like that is, is probably something you wouldn't get from San Maguire counties it's an insight you might not have got pre the Talton Cup I just think those counties were actually glad of the attention I think people were football fans were glad to actually get an insight that they'd never got before and you know that's yet another reason why the Talton Cup is is a good thing but look even without that it still would have been a good competition and one more point because I know I'm rambling on here I know people were worried about the coverage of it beforehand but I think sometimes when people say things like that they're only thinking of the national picture and like you know it yourself take one look at um, Beats um, JNLR figures the radio listenership figures and it's the same with most regional slash local stations they're actually the biggest dog in their marketplace so I presume you've been covering this all along, the counties that were involved. The local paper's the same, the local website's the same. That's actually like a huge chunk of coverage and probably more, when you collate it all together, probably more than any national media entity could give it. So I have a bit of a bugbear when I hear people say it won't be covered. It might not be covered in detail until it gets to the final stages by the national broadcaster, who, to be fair, broadcast games. Uh, like the semi-finals were on free-to-air TV and some of the quarter-finals and whatever were on um, were on GA Go and were streamed. And again, <laughs> declaring my vested interest, I commentated on a couple of those games, but but they did do them. Um, so, like, the coverage was really good and really strong. And, like, I know in, in, in Cavan and Westmead, the two teams that were in the final, like, it was wall-to-wall Talton Cup final in the build-up. And even before that, along the way, there was an awful lot of coverage. So I don't buy the it-won't-get-covered argument and I quite frankly don't understand how people think they can say that and think it's in any way accurate that it won't get the coverage or didn't get the coverage Yeah well I mean obviously this is something that we covered the whole way through I mean I had the, the privilege of visiting many games I had a particularly memorable day on the day that uh, Carlo saw of Tipperary and it was fantastic there was a really good yeah. showing inside in the stadium Pride had been shown out in the field and it, it was a worthy and, um, and to be fair as well Sean the GA ran a lot of media days like the GA yeah. provided a lot of players for interview throughout the competition and it's something, it's, it's, it's one fault maybe of the current condensed season, which I do like, but I think it's a little too condensed. But when it's that condensed, it means the counties probably don't have the time to provide players. Because like, if you provide a player for an interview, that player has to take time out of their day. You know, they all have busy lives. So that, that's tough. So in fairness to the GAA, they really got behind it in a promotion sense. And of course, you know, they would have okayed all those promotional activities that I was talking about earlier. And, and in fact, would have encouraged it. So... You know, I'd like it, 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 it was a it was a good competition, and as you mentioned there, that Carlo Tip game, I wasn't at it, but I watched it back, and that was a special occasion. You might not have had a special occasion like that if you didn't have this competition. Jack Cooney himself said after the game, it was just reward for his side's hard work that's been put in over the last decade. I mean, it gives them silverware, it gives them their own piece of history, and I mean that's fantastic. I loved watching it. It gave me more competition for you and I to watch and commentate on, but also savor as fans, and that's nothing but a win in my eyes. Now, turning attention to the small matter of Sunday and the All-Ireland hurling final between Kilkenny and Limerick, it has the makings of an absolute blockbuster, doesn't it? It really does. And there's a narrative out there that this is the game that Limerick wanted because they feel they owe Kilkenny one. And I remember actually at that 2019 final, Kilkenny against Tip, which turned out to be a damn squib because Tipperary won it so easily. And they, I, I think they were the better team on the day and might have won it by a bit of a distance anyway, although we'll never know. But I do think the Richie Hogan sending off 
was wrong. And my only evidence or my only defence of my argument is at hurling, we don't want to see lads sent off for that, you know. Um, but I, that kind of skewed, skewed the game a bit, the final. And Kilkenny obviously are back in the final for the first time since. Yeah. But Kilkenny beat Limerick in 2019 and only for that, maybe, just maybe, Limerick will be going for the four in a row. So is there animosity there? I'm not sure. It's certainly being built up by us outside. Whether or not that's being used by the players inside the Limerick camp, I don't know. One thing is for certain, if Limerick win this, they confirm their place as one of the best teams ever. Um, and I don't think that could be doubted at all. And even if Kilkenny were to win it, Limerick might go on to win a few more. But of course, you you never take these things for granted. Um, no, but it, look, no. it has the makings of a great game. You look at some of the matchups, it could be intriguing. And like, if there's one team who will not stand on... If there's one team who won't be made nervous by the occasion or the task ahead, or who won't balk at the thought of playing a team that you could argue player for player are technically better it is Kilkenny because they they've just got such a hunger and a work rate and they've got very good players as well which obviously also helps like they'll relish the task of taking on this Limerick team and also Kilkenny are going in as underdogs into a final God, that's it. <laughs> maybe it's uh, maybe it's because we've been as a Waterford fan victims of Kilkenny many times in the championship I always kind of have a right smile when I hear people referring to Kilkenny as an underdog. You obviously go back to provincial, you're looking at Kilkenny achieving their 74th provincial title, Brian Cody's 18th. I mean, dogged character that ever give in. He's never satisfied. And I, I called it from the very, very start. I mean, I'm looking at this competition from the get-go and obviously it's very difficult to look past this Limerick juggernaut because they're just, they're, they, they have youth, they have energy different styles and traits of attacking charisma and their defensive work is amazing on the field you've got Kilkenny going in as underdogs as you said but yeah. it, it's still Kilkenny and Kilkenny are not overawed as you said they're not overawed by anybody I spoke with someone recently about this and they were talking about a situation whereby if you took that Limerick side you analyse them part for part maybe the one thing that you could say about them that they do not have that Kilkenny maybe do they don't have this massive prowess for hitting the back of the net. Now, obviously, they can make up for that by scoring 30, 35 points with relative ease in a game. But they're not renowned for massively large goal getters. Whereas Kilkenny this year and every year gone by, they go for the net, don't they? They do. Uh, but they create the opportunities. And I, I'm not a big fan of saying, well, this team has done this up to that, this point and this team has done that up to this point. That means that's automatically going to happen on the final. Like It's more than possible that Flanagan could win a high ball turn and stick it. But the evidence would suggest that it it it, it may not. Um, like if there's one thing Kilkenny will do is, and they did it brilliantly against Galway in the Leinster final. Like they shut them down. Limerick didn't shut Galway down in the semi-final. You know, so that's maybe something that Brian Cody is looking at. But maybe defensively, that his team are very solid and that gives his attack a great platform. But like when you talk about defenses and hurling, it isn't just your six backs and your goalkeeper. It is everyone. Like mm-hmm. watching. Yeah. Adrian Mullen and Owen Cody popping up at wing-back against Clare. And they've, they've obviously done this for their club and county all the time and all year or whatever. But it was it seemed to be at a different level in that game. And then they're creating things for others and TJ with his ball-winning ability. And even if TJ doesn't win a ball, which of course he will, but even if he doesn't, you need free-taking ability. So, like, everywhere you look at Limerick's strength, Kilkenny have a strength to take it on. Now, I'm aware that we're falling into a bit of a trap here that we're talking about Kilkenny stopping Limerick. Well, Limerick have to stop Kilkenny as well. You know, let's not forget TJ Reid, Adrian Mullen, Owen Cody. You know, these are phenomenal players. Uh, Key and Kenny, 
look strong and the way he ran through the defence in the semi-final really impressive Mossy uh, Keown you know like an unbelievable player he, like Mikey Butler one of the best man markers in the country the decision might be who do you put him on but of course it might be you know what Mikey make the decision yourself after 20 minutes if you think someone else is getting a run stick on that guy you know it, like that's what I'm talking about regards to matchups a lot of moving parts on Sunday the other thing is, is who will start like will Keane Lynch start or will he come in People said he looked a bit off at the last day. I was watching it from behind the goal. I have to say, I thought he worked hard enough. He created a few opportunities. Um, and the, like obviously, David Reedy came in and got the point. But like I, I thought Lynch did okay when he came in. You know, I thought he looked... There was one moment where there was one block he got in and there was one pass he, he uh, affected. It was, it was like it was basic stuff, but it was executed brilliantly. It's elegant hurling. One, one yeah. factor I was trying to look at, because obviously the way that I work and the analytical side and the statistical side of it, I try to break everything down to a fine nut and bolt. And when you look at the Limerick side, if you could have one minor little pick that you could say, maybe they slightly lack in discipline from time to time. And I don't think there's a whole lot of people who would disagree with that. Could be something that could obviously play into Kilkenny's hands in that Kilkenny are obviously incredibly proficient from a set piece. If Limerick have any sort of lack of discipline on the day with the occasion maybe getting to them, it's possible that that could feed into Kilkenny's hands. Now, I know we're, t- we're not talking about a side that are in their first All-Ireland final. Yep. We're, we're talking about a side that are extremely experienced themselves, despite their, their in, in the vast majority of their relatively young age. They know what it takes to win. But there's a number of variables to be taken into consideration. And I suppose it's just fantastic for a spectator that we have a game with such ebbs and flows and so many variables that can be taken into account. Let's just hope that the spectacle itself delivers for the expectation that we have coming up to it. Can I put your, your, your head in the block and who do you think is going to take it home in the day? I, I, I'm going to give myself a caveat if that's okay. As you we speak, do we don't know the team, so we don't know if Keane Lynch is starting. Like, uh, Brian Cody is obviously always capable of... Uh, well, we call it a surprise because obviously we're not seeing what's happening in training day to day. To them, it's not a surprise. But like the one that jumps out is Walter Walsh in 2012 playing in the replay against Galway. No one, including Galway, saw that coming and they just couldn't handle him. Does Walter start again this time because he has a physicality and bulk? I don't know. Does Richie Hogan get game time? You know, I, I don't know. He's never afraid to make changes because to Brian Cody, um, it doesn't seem to be a risk. He, he, he has judged him in training and he rarely makes a wrong call in, in that sense. It's actually phenomenal when you talk to him about that and the process of how he goes about it. And I was lucky enough to do that, to actually sit down and chat with him for about 20 minutes um, in Langton's at the, the All-Ireland Final Media Day last week. Now, I, I will say this as well. <laughs> I've been wrong a couple of times this year. I thought Clare would beat Limerick and Munster, but Limerick would then go on to win the All-Ireland. Now, I wasn't that wrong because they drew after normal time. I thought Clare would give Kilkenny... Like, I thought Clare would win that by one or two points, but, like, they actually... I don't know what happened them that day. Like, Kilkenny were good, but Clare were really poor. They just kept raining long balls in on top of... A lot of Kilkenny. wides. A lot of wides. Yeah, a lot of wides. And, like, but even the long ball thing, it wasn't so much that they did it. It was that they did it so poorly, that they didn't even yeah. contest the long balls. Like, you throw long balls in on top of Hugh Lauder, it's, it's bears to a bun kind of stuff. But they didn't execute as well. Like, they're better, they could, they could go out the next day and play that game plan a lot better. Whether they win or not is a, another thing. You know, if they cut down the wides by half, that's easy to say, but ultimately, they shot wides because they had pressure put on them. Very hard to take a shot when you've got a defender breathing down your neck I imagine at that level obviously I've never played at that level course, I don't know but that's, that's what I keep getting told and I, I, I think it's right you have to go with Limerick um, given what they've done over the last couple of years given their depth of squad but I think it'll be close and if Kilkenny do it 
it would be no surprise. I'm like uh, normally I'm pretty confident when I make predictions. I will say this team and this is why. But when it's too close to call or when it's very close, then you would say, okay, here's the deal: Limerick to win it, but not by much, and probably what wins it for them is the bench. We'll take that as always, my friend. Yeah. An absolute pleasure. Sports Beat with John Kennedy Motors, Cashel Road, Clonmel. You'll never take a wrong turn with Toyota. View our full range of cars at johnkennedymotors.ie. I'm extremely pleased to welcome one of the country's most talented coaches, the Ireland Under-16s women's head coach, as well as the current assistant to the women's senior team, Mr. Tom Elms. Tom, how are you today? You're doing well? I'm good, Sean. Thanks for having me. Very welcome. Thanks for coming on board. Now, starting out with your playing career, a veteran in the southeast with Mick Wallace's Wexford. As somebody in myself who works closely with the club, you must have many fond memories from your time at Wexford. Yeah, I, I do. You know, stretch back to 2007 when the club was first formed and um, you know, we first played our league one games. It was some really, really good memories and see guys out now. Sometimes see them playing in the 35 league, but um, yeah, it's good to bump into guys and share a couple of those memories and um, you know, it was tough. Well, it was very tough at the time. The club was doing it on a kind of a limited budget and you know, even limited experience. You know, as far as the players were concerned and, and some of the people involved at the club, it was it was all very new to to a lot of us. So uh, challenging, but um, you, know, you see where the club right now. They're still there and still 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 bursting on. And um, you know, it's really good to see. I think you know things. Have, probably changed an awful lot since it's our time there yeah the club currently riding on the crest of a wave under Ian Ryan on a fantastic streak at the moment unbeaten in six games coming off the back of a very impressive victory against Waterford as well recently winning 3-1 so things are good there and obviously you yourself I believe the third goal scorer at the club in the League of Ireland I'm correct in saying that aren't I? I don't know uh, I'll yeah. take that one if it's there yeah, yeah, yeah I believe you, you registered the third goal uh, that the club ever had in the League of Ireland. Now, can I just ask you a question? Was was management always something that you wanted to aspire towards yourself while you were playing? No, it, it wasn't really. I um, I just had the opportunity to... Uh, I'd done a little bit of coaching at uh, local club level um, just to help out. And then um, it was one of the... What do you mean, about 2011? Um, Mick would have been... Obviously, Mick would have took a lot of different crazy teams in the club. I think they had a number-17s team. Um, that played in the national competitions and an under eighteen team that played in the uh, in the in the, Wexford, in the local Wexford league. So he would have played them up as well into the under nineteen national competitions. So Nick was very busy with that underage, and it was uh, I was I was kind of studying in, in IT Carlo. Then at that stage, it had been something I'd taken an interest in. It was a it was still a player development course, but it was also a Looked at your your coach education as well. The opportunity came up through conversation with Mick one evening, where uh, you know he'd be happy to let let someone in and, and give a dig out. And obviously, as he got busier, um, I took on more and more responsibility with the teams, and uh, you know continued down down that path then with the with the Wexford Youth Under 19s men's at that time. And it all really just exploded and grew up very quickly thereafter. I suppose year after year. So it, it, it kind of snowballed from there, from from the under nineteen. I uh, I applied for a job in in IT Carlo and the as one of the course leaders, not the, the course I actually graduated on. Um, so we I had to step back from Wexford at that time as an FAI staff member, and you know we're encouraged not to to be involved where possible. And with this role, I was doing there'd be plenty of coaching opportunities uh, with the college, with the college teams. Um, so and, and again, like you know, I was quite happy. Um, in, in that role in Carlo and 
I progressed through my coaching licenses and I got my A license. And part of that was to um, to obviously coach with with teams and the 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 college teams were weren't weren't in at the time. So I, I asked if I could go in with the West Jutes Women to do a session just to build up my my kind of session hours, and they were really. Um, open to me coming in and that was something that I went in and done and enjoyed and I recognised a couple of players and you know, I, I knew some of them already and um, yeah I, I did that and I think it was there a few months later I was actually asked uh, Damien who was manager of the Wexford men's team at the time I asked if I would go in and coach with them and I was I think I was a week into it I saw the club asked if I would um, help the, the, the women get their pre-season up and running you know, issues with, with the trying to get to a management staff in and uh, obviously I felt obliged to go and do that after um, the help they'd given me through my A licence which, which was great so it's absolutely no problem at all and I went in and done a session with them just to help get their pre-season going and uh, I kind of really I really enjoyed it and I, I, I kind of looked back from the players the attitude of the players in the women's games it's, it's, it's fantastic and I really felt that with with Wexford when I was in there and uh, it's kind of relationship that kind of there really the players really enjoyed it and I think they they, they asked them if I would go in and I had to have a conversation with Damien and I just told him I would uh, I would be in with him as an assistant but um, yeah it was, it was an opportunity I couldn't turn down and um, and it's been, it was it was a fantastic time with, with the club and something obviously worked out which culminated in that treble campaign in 2018 I mean what a wonderful year you must have had some tremendous memories from that particular season oh it was, it was fantastic I think you know sometimes things just tend to click I think where the players were at that time you know I think they'd had, had success the year before but I think they were still hungry for more and I felt they could they could get more out of what they'd done um, me going in and, and obviously I don't know working, working in the men's game for, for a long time you, you sometimes you know you uh, you try and you try and go in and, and raise the expectation levels and raise the bar and, and the players just responded so well to that um, so I think we just fitted really well. They wanted more, and I wanted to, to push for more. And I think yeah, it was a combination of the two. And, and you look back then, and the, the success we had that first year was uh, really, really good. Absolutely, and I mean the success is is in the history books, and so many people have so many fun memories of that, particularly in the region. Obviously, June of twenty one saw a move to Ireland's women under sixteen head coach role, a massive step in terms of your career path and going from the WNL to an international level. What challenges did you encounter in leaving the league and embarking on a new journey with the under-16s at that international level? Uh, I think it's like you're, you're always switching between between your coaching caps and you know my role with, within the your national league is, is kind of a week-to-week competitive preparation where you know, everything you do that week, there is a long-term goal, but you're preparing for the next opponent all the time. Everything you do is around that next opponent whilst you're also trying to stabilise your own... Um, your own kind of principles really on how you want a team to play but you must prepare for the opponent and I think now with the 16s you're going to have to change that cap a little bit because we're very much focused at the 16s program of the development of the player and introducing them to, to these sort of environments um, how we educate them and that's getting, that's getting easier all the time with the development of the actual clubs now there's been a lot of good work going on in the academy structures and you know, players are coming in and they're, they're further on that pathway now. It, it supports us in, in what we're trying to do. It gets us further down the road a lot quicker. So, you know, that, that was always a challenge. Um, I think also 
that, that day-to-day working with, with, with players and working with a team on a day-to-day basis was has been sort of found challenging going into war now where you, you know you prepare for camps and you prepare for training days and um, you lose that contact with the player then they go, you know they're not your player they go back to their clubs you're only bringing them in for an event and, and so on so that was a difficult one and obviously you're communicating all the time then with the clubs but um, you don't get that, that time with the, with the player that you'd always like um, I think obviously work with the seniors then has, has, has helped me with that because it's you know helps to keep you busy um, with you know another kind of role and more coaching opportunities which is which has been great as well yeah, I've been able to manage both roles simultaneously. Obviously, moving on and being able to work alongside Vera Powell as an assistant coach. I mean, that was a tremendous achievement for you. A great opportunity to work alongside such a talented tactician as well. I'd imagine you've learned quite a bit from her working alongside her. Oh, yeah. Well, look, it's been, it's been a great environment. I think, you know, Vera obviously gives me a chance to, to grow within that environment as well, which is really, really important for, for my own personal development. It was, you know, I want to get some out of what I'm, everything I'm doing. Um, and she's been really open to that once we kind of build up that trust amongst each other it was uh, you know it's, it's been a really good relationship and uh, you know, we get on very well and, and um, yeah she's very open to to letting me have my say at times And uh, but at the same time she knows what she wants and she knows how she wants things done and uh, um, yeah it has, it has been a, a great great opportunity for me Absolutely and the results in the pitch are showing as well fantastic draw with Sweden in April followed up with a comprehensive about as comprehensive a win as you can possibly get against Georgia confidence must be very very high in camp at the moment is it? Yeah I think I think the team's developing all the time um, like I said sometimes things just tend to click and, and that, that's really important I think the team are really understanding you know, how we want to play what we want to do but I think you know. I think one of the best things about the team is that they're able to play against any type of opponent. And you know, you've seen the game against Sweden where we, we you know, we had to, you know, had to be honest about it and, and realise that we're not really going to have much of the ball that, that night. And the way we played was going to be very different. Um, and, and the players are all on board with that. They, they, you know, they're not naive. They understand what we need to do to get results. Um, but on the flip side of that, then you come, you go out against opponents where against Georgia. And, so, you know, you have to take confidence out of the fact that you are probably going to control a little bit more of the game and you are going to create more chances. And it's, uh, it might be a, a night where, you know, other players might play and, you know, your team organisation is all, all you know, geared up around dominating the ball and, and, and trying to score as many goals as you can. Because, we, you know, we know that they're really important coming into the, the playoff uh, phase. Yeah, definitely. With obviously two huge games coming up in September against Finland and Slovakia. Every goal counts, and uh, it was wonderful to see that performance and the level of finishing against Georgia, which could prove to be the difference maker when it comes time after these two fixtures in September. Now, can I ask you one final question? Obviously, I, do, I know you're busy. I don't want to keep too much of your time. You've spoken about your own personal development. What are your aspirations in moving forward? Um, I think I think keep. I just want to obviously keep learning as much as I can. Um, I've never really got caught up in that whole area. I mean, even just discussing those couple of bits with you, you know, today everything's kind of everything's kind of come come to me, and I, I've took on the next challenge as it's come. And I, I firmly believe that you know the harder you work, and um, you know the, the things come around. So it's hard to say, really. Um, for me, I want to keep working at the highest level of the game, keep pushing myself, and. Um, challenge myself all the time and I'm in an environment right now where I am being challenged but you know challenged in, in different ways with the, with the seniors it's all about 
you know, preparing it for for elite, invite, you know, competitive competitions. And at the 16s, you have to quickly switch hats and you're back down to being a bit more patient and, and focused on the long-term development of the players that you have. And that's always a challenge. So, um, you know, keep working hard in those two areas and, and we'll see what comes up next. Absolutely. Well, whatever does indeed come up next, I wish you the best and obviously the best of luck with the fixtures coming up and everything that's going on with the development of the players now as well as the future talent in this country. And uh, we hope to touch base with you soon and see how everything is going. Thanks, Sean. Thank you very much. Sports Beat with John Kennedy Motors, Cashel Road, Clonmel. You'll never take a wrong turn with Toyota. View our full range of cars at johnkennedymotors.ie. That's it for this week's show. If you've got something you want to discuss or you want to talk about your club or sporting society, drop me a mail at sport at beat102103.com and I'll happily get back to you. Beat Anthems is up next.